Hello, this is Doug Wyatt, and I want to welcome you to our podcast series, Considering Christianity as a Scientist, and this is podcast number 18. In this podcast, we want to discuss the letter from James as captured in the New Testament. The letter, the epistle of James, is a bit different than the other letters in that it was not written by a named apostle such as Paul, and when you think Paul, think of books such as the, in the New Testament, such as the Letter to the Romans, Corinthians, Colossians, Ephesians, Galatians, etc. Or by other named apostles such as Peter or John. That's very interesting. And we'll talk a little bit about that as we go forward. This discussion, similar to our last podcast, is a result of questions and discussions I have had with listeners of our previous podcast wanting to more fully consider the writings of the early Jewish Christian church and whether they were different from the church that expanded westward, sometimes referred to as the Pauline church because of the influence of Paul. That's a very good question and something we should think about. There are many historical academic thoughts about Paul and his role in developing Christianity. It might be worth listening to podcast 15 where we discussed Luke and his capture of the philosophies of Paul if you have not already done so. I'm very thankful for people asking me these questions. Not only do I study and learn more, but I hope I'm able to contribute more to your knowledge on your journey to Christ and your belief in our Supreme Creator. For those just joining us, I am a PhD scientist, a geologist, geophysicist, published with patents and a long history of managing major science and engineering research programs. I am a Christian. Many of my friends and acquaintances in science and technology, engineering, and many others I have chatted with on various occasions have discussed their thoughts on Christ and Christianity, the Creator God, the Bible and human history, and often how difficult it is to reconcile belief with science. I fully understand and have struggled with this myself. Science and Christian beliefs are often hard to reconcile, particularly in our modern technological world. Yet I know that many of you feel, sense, hear, a quiet whisper, a deep sense need for something greater, larger, and more meaningful than ourselves. I want you to consider, and for us to discuss, that this is our Creator God calling to you personally and how to accept this. We only have one written record from James in the New Testament, although there are numerous mentions of various Jameses in the Gospel and subsequent records such as the Acts. Some early scholars thought James might have been the author of the Acts, but this has been basically disproven by many academic studies. I think you will find that James is a very interesting individual in Christianity and that it will help us consider, evaluate, rationalize, and understand more fully the impact of early Christian teaching on the world. As always, it will be helpful to go back and listen to our first four podcasts to remember our a priori premises. 
I hope you enjoy this discussion and it helps your path to belief. James is mentioned at least eight times in the New Testament, or a variety of Jameses are mentioned. There were two apostles named James, one the brother of John and the other the son of Alphaeus. The oldest brother of Jesus was also named James. It is this James, the oldest brother of Jesus, that scholars believe wrote the epistle that we're discussing today. There is considerable discussion in religious dogma about James being the brother of Jesus. Many people accept the fact that he was an older son of Joseph, who was previously married before mar marrying the Virgin Mary, and that Mary had no other children other than Jesus. So James would have been Jesus' older stepbrother. Others believe that Mary, as Jewish women would, had other children besides Jesus. That does not detract from the fact that Jesus was a virgin birth or anything claimed in modern Christian uh, society. However, James is believed to be Jesus' older brother, and there are a variety of reasons for that. The dialogue between the two in Jewish social circles is one of an older brother advising a younger brother. That's James advising Jesus. Later scholarship, and in the writings of James we talk about today, you will hear him refer to Jesus. So, scholars are virtually certain that the book of James was written by the brother of Jesus. Now, this James, he earned the name in his lifetime of James the Just. He was known at the time to be an unusually good man. Now, the time I'm talking about is the time between the crucifixion, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, and when James was executed and martyred. We'll talk about that in just a few moments. However, during his lifetime and with Jesus, he is believed to have also been a very good man. So much so that he later earned the name James the Just. The stories are that he prayed so much that he had calluses on his knees as those of a camel. He was very influential in the early Christian church and for about three decades after the ascension of Jesus he was the leading figure coordinating managing, running, teaching the bishop of the Christian church, the very early Christian church, the Christian church that was dominantly Jewish in Jerusalem and the areas around Jerusalem. He's very commonly called the first bishop of Jerusalem and the first head of the Christian church. The Bible records instances of Peter, the Apostle Peter, reporting back to James on certain things that were happening. The Apostle Paul corresponded with James and came to Jerusalem to visit James in his role as head, as leader of the Jewish 
Jerusalem-based Christian church. James concentrated all of his efforts on bringing Jews, historic Judaism, to Christ. He viewed Christianity as a clean, new, whole approach and what Jews should be in their relationship with each other, with others, and with God. It's very interesting in certain places in the New Testament that state that Jesus' brethren, read that as Jesus' brothers, his cousins, other members of his very close family who traveled with him apparently, did not believe on him, did not believe he was who he claimed to be or maybe not even in some of his teachings. And then James appears as the head of the church later in the history of early Christianity. So either some of his brethren did believe or they came to believe. Most scholars, most language experts believe that James was the brother of Jesus or certainly a cousin but was the brother of Jesus and came to be a strong believer in him so much so that he died a martyr for Christianity. During the initial 20 or 30 years after Jesus' ascension, the Christian church grew enormously. And it grew dominantly from converts of Judaism to believers of Christianity or believers in the Christ. We can discuss in some podcasts in a future date what that belief was in the early church, but suffice it to say that it was the church that was established by Jesus and his teachings. James is known to have been the leader in Jerusalem of all the Jewish churches at the time. In AD 50 or thereabouts, there was an event called the Council of Jerusalem. That's a modern interpretation of what that event was, where Paul came to talk with Peter and James. And that is when James appears as a strong, dominant leader, somebody that the other Christian evangelist respected, wanted to know his opinion, and understood to be in a leadership position. The reason for this council and the reason for subsequent discussions between James, Peter, and Paul was that James, as a strong advocate of Jewish Christianity, believed in the law of Moses and that Christ, that Jesus, came to fulfill that law of Moses but not end it. And as you know, Jesus said that not one jot or tittle of the law should ever fade away. That may mean several things to different people, but we have that statement of Jesus. James believed in the practice of Judaism as Christ taught, which included circumcision, male circumcision. That had been a practice of the Jews for a thousand years. Paul predominantly taught and preached to Gentile Christians, Greeks, Romans, Syrians, 
all nationalities that existed within the Roman Empire. Paul was not a believer of the circumcision and did not teach it. That was one of the earliest conflicts in the Christian church and they basically agreed to continue teaching as they were and not split, separate, or damage the church or the teachings of Jesus because of their differences of opinion. It is believed by many scholars that problems that Paul had outside of Palestine, outside of the Jewish state, later in his teachings, when he was at Rome, when he was at Ephesus, when he was at other places, was caused by people who came from James to talk to the Gentile and Jewish converts at the time and demanded circumcision. It is likely, as most scholars believe, that these people came from James, but that they abused the information that he provided. They abused his beliefs or what he wanted in his relationship with Paul and for the new Gentile converts. There's a body of literature out there that discusses this information. In considering early Christianity, there was a difference in the way Christianity was practiced in Jerusalem because it was more traditional Jewish in character. Paul taught in the synagogues that were away from James and away from Jerusalem and understood all of this. And in Paul's teaching, he was teaching Gentiles who were not under the original Mosaical law and were not circumcised nor were required to be circumcised. Paul believed that Jesus' teachings removed the harsh restrictions of the old Mosaical law. One of the things to remember in this discussion is that after Jesus' resurrection, it is this James that he appeared to that the Bible records. Jesus appeared to his brother. His brother had sworn, according to literature, that he would not eat bread or drink wine until he saw his resurrected brother, Jesus. That is a very typical Jewish custom to pronounce those kinds of statements. Well, Jesus met with him and they had a meal together. James was convinced. It is also interesting that of, from among the apostles, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and the remainder of the twelve, or of any of the other seventy, as mentioned in the Bible, that traveled with Jesus, that James was selected as the leader of the Jerusalem Christian movement. Not Peter, not John, not any of the others who were immediately close to Jesus. It was James. And Peter and John and the other apostles did not contest that fact. It was something they understood that needed to be the truth, that needed to be done. The death of James is quite remarkable in that after leading the church for 30 years, there was continuing unrest in the region. The Romans were moving in closer and the, 
the area was approaching that historic date of A.D. 70 when Jerusalem fell and Rome destroyed the temple. Many believe it was the death of James and the circumstances that surrounded it that led to the final process over the next few months of Jerusalem being attacked and destroyed. And, and this is why. We know the exact date within just a few months of when James was martyred. He was stoned to death by members of the Jewish religious leadership. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the combined association of the Sanhedrin, the leaders of the temple in Jerusalem, he was stoned to death and was praying right before his death when a, it's recorded as a sympathetic fuller, a brickmaker, came and clubbed him to death to t put him out of his misery. Well, the story of his death goes like this. Of course, he was known in the area and had been in the area for 30 years, teaching, leading the Christian church in Jerusalem and in the areas around Jerusalem. There was a governor, Roman governor change coming to Jerusalem. This is long after Pilate. And the Roman governors were in the process of changing. One had died. The other was on his way from Rome. So that's how they know the dates of when James was executed. And the leaders of the Jewish temple brought James into the temple and asked him to go up to a high level and make a pronunciation as follows. Let me read the story as recorded by Hegesippus, a Christian historian of the second century, and also as recorded in the writings of Josephus, whom we've mentioned in earlier podcast, a historian who traveled with Rome, a Jewish leader who traveled with Rome. And it goes something like this. Shortly before Jerusalem was destroyed by the Roman army in AD 70, when Jews were in large numbers embracing Christianity, Ananus, the high priest, and the scribes of the Pharisees, about, a, about the year A.D. 62 or A.D. 66, assembled the Sanhedrin and commanded James, the brother of Jesus who was called Christ, to proclaim from one of the galleries of the temple that Jesus was not the Messiah. But instead, James cried out that Jesus was the Son of God and judge of the world. This then enraged the enemies and they hurled him to the ground and stoned him until a charitable fuller ended his sufferings with a club, while he was on his knees praying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This story was written early in the history of the Christian church and has survived since, so there is great reason to believe in the truth of what I just read. Therefore, we know that this epistle could not have been written after that date, approximately A.D. 65 or 66. And it was probably written about the year A.D. 60 because it had already circulated a little bit uh, in, in the minds of biblical scholars. So it is probably the first epistle written that was written from all the other writers of the New Testament and is probably technically the first book historically of what now we call our New Testament. That is a lot of background information, but it's very interesting to me 
James, the brother of Jesus, the leader of the early Christian church, taught for 30 years, had discussions with Paul, whom we all mostly know being members of the Western Christian church. It's very interesting. And so we want to talk a little bit about what James taught. And so we're going to start reading a little bit and discussing excerpts from his epistle. He starts his epistle with this statement, <clears throat> James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. James's Jewish background, teaching, and history is captured in his writing style of this epistle, of this letter. It's, it's not a long letter, but his writing style is captured, and it's very much in the same vain, the same light of thought of the Old Testament prophets. James was writing to Christian Jews as they were dispersed across the Roman Empire and elsewhere who were Christians typically meeting in or with the Jewish synagogues or had separated themselves from the synagogues to start the early Christian house churches. In many cases, the early Jewish believers and the early Christian believers worshipped side by side. Only in certain circumstances, when Jews came from Jerusalem and other central Jewish areas, were there persecutions by Jews of Christians directly. Most Christian, Christian persecution came later at the hands of the Romans or other multi-theological system believers. Before AD 70 there was a wide variety of Jews distributed across many of the cities of the Roman Empire. There would have been Jewish quarters, Jewish areas of those cities where the Jews could live and worship in peace because of their unique practices related to hygiene, cleanliness, food, food styles, holidays, things such as that. The Christians were typically from those same areas early in Christianity. Since this epistle was written before the destruction of Jerusalem, it would have been these people that James was writing to. He was writing to Christian Jewish people. It is known from the teachings of Paul, or implied from the teachings of Paul, that he would preach in the synagogues and some people would believe his teachings and become Christian Jewish believers. Some would stay with their synagogues for some time period, months, weeks. It varies. There's various academic sources that relate to different time periods before they establish their own congregations or their own churches. Sometimes there were entire synagogues that believed in Christianity and instantly became a Christian church. There are cases of that recorded in history as well. So James was writing to the people before the time of Paul 
who were Christians and dispersed among the Jewish communities scattered all over the Middle East. We know that James was written before the establishment of many of the Christian churches outside of Rome or outside of the events that occurred after the destruction of the Jewish temple because he doesn't describe or discuss Christianity among the Gentiles at all. It's not even inferred or foreseen. He's dominantly talking to Jews, nationalistic, historic, ethnic Jews who became Christians as the result of his brother's teaching. James believed that Christianity was not something completely new, but was a perfection of what his Jewish beliefs should be. That the teachings of his brother, the Christ, were the perfection of the law, not the removal of the law. And so we know that his writing is much earlier than any of the other references in the New Testament that refers to any of the Gentile, the Greek, the Roman Christians. James in his letter touches on these points. He talks about the trials of persecution and this would have been persecution by Mosaical Jews against Christian Jews. He talks about having wisdom and he talks about having faith unwavering faith, wisdom through prayer, and patience with perfection. He cautions people about being rich and all of the sinful things that comes with being wealthy. He talks about temptation. A lot of that temptation revolves around the capabilities of what people can do when they have money. And he talks about a new birth, a new soul, a new belief system that perfects through the teachings of Jesus what the law should be. He talks about controlling your tongue. He talks about the word, the teachings of Jesus, and he talks about what pure religion is. He talks about respect of persons. People should be respecting each other. He talks about having faith in our supreme God. He talks about having works, doing good works. He talks about controlling the tongue and the thought processes and the saying of things that are harmful, injurious to ourselves and others, that cause dissent, things such as that. He expands a little bit on wisdom. He cautions against worldly-mindedness, that is, concentrating on the importance of things in the world instead of the importance of things of the Spirit, importance things of God. He, he spends some time discussing that. He once again touches on the evil and potential problems of riches, reminds his readers about patience, the tongue, and the prayer process again.
I just want to read you a few of the statements of James. I encourage you, grab your New Testament and read the book of James. It will take you 20 minutes, 30 minutes just to scan it. And then you can sit down and study it. But, but here we go. I think you will recognize many of these as the teachings of Jesus we have discussed in earlier podcasts. I'm reading from the New International Version. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. I do not think that any of us could argue with that statement. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Very similar teaching of Jesus. This is one of my favorites. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. That is a universally true statement. How true is this statement, and how much, and how similar it is to teachings of Jesus? Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is a little bit longer passage. My brothers and sisters, believers, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, Here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, You stand here or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whosoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery 
also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That is a teaching straight from the lips of Jesus. Continuing a little bit in that same chapter, by the way, this is chapter 2 of James. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Once again, something so true in today's modern world. I think about these next few verses often, particularly as we look at a lot of the social media and the news media and things that are said among various groups of peoples on this planet. And it reads as follows. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses, we make them obey us. We can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear fruit? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. That is a statement full of wisdom about thoughts, talk. It, it's, it's a very full set of verses. This is an interesting set of verses and something that is true for just about all of us. It's called boasting about tomorrow. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. While you do not even know what will happen tomorrow, what is your life? You are a mist that appears a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Then he follows that up with this verse. 
which is sort of a further thought, a, a, almost a condemnation for people who do what he just mentioned, but it is a very high order belief that we should have. And the verse is this, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. These are just a few of the verses in the book, the epistle, the letter of James, written very early in the Christian church to Jewish people who had become Christians in their synagogues and who were scattered about. James was the leader of the Christian church in Jerusalem after the crucifixion, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. He was Jesus' brother, half-brother or brother, really doesn't matter. He was chosen as the leader of the Jerusalem church, and that act was approved by names we know, such as Peter, the Apostle James, and John. They did not dispute James, the brother of Jesus' leadership. James was executed. He was martyred, claiming that he believed in the one God and in his brother as the Son of God. James is one of those books of the New Testament that can be studied and evaluated, and things can be learned from James that might be perceived as a little different than you might read if you were reading a book from Paul. Not a difference in beliefs or not a difference in theology, but a difference in approach and how the message was proclaimed. And I want to I want to read you this comment from Benjamin Jowett, maybe he pronounced it Jowett, that was written in 1860. Jowett was a master uh, at Oxford University and one of England's best known academics at the time. This is what he wrote. Jowett's statement contradicts what some believe in the Bible. There are those who believe that all writing is word for word dictated by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit, completely inspired. There are those who believe that the Spirit inspired men and women who wrote and did things in the Bible and captured what they saw and believed. This is what he is addressing. It is evident that Scripture, like other books, has one meaning which is to be gathered from itself without reference to the adaptations of fathers and divines and without regard to a priori notions about its nature and origins. It is to be interpreted like other books with attention to the character of its authors and the prevailing state of civilization and knowledge, with allowance for peculiarities of style and language and modes of thought and figures of speech yet not without a sense that as we read there grows upon us the witness of God in the world, anticipating in a rude and primitive age the truth that was to be, shining more and more unto the perfect day in the life of Jesus Christ, which again is reflected from different points of view in the teaching of his apostles. I believe that characterizes what we have discussed in James. We can evaluate what James wrote. It was a different perspective than the writing of Paul or the writings of Peter or the writings of the Gospels. It gives us new insight into Jesus, the beginnings of the early church, God working in man, and this wonderful thing we call Christianity.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Considering Christianity as a Scientist podcast series. As scientific thinkers, we can evaluate our belief and, through understanding, develop a growing relationship with our Creator God. We can understand His history with mankind and the teaching of His Son, the Christ, to bring us closer to Him and to better our relationship with ourselves and save us from those who would destroy us. Our next episode is coming soon.